0: Hello and welcome to the One Football podcast. Coming up on today's show, we're talking about Erling Haaland's brilliant debut. For Manchester City. There's also some Messi magic at PSG and a look at the top of the Bundesliga as well. Joining myself, your host Matt Froelich, our Dan Burke. Hello, hello. And Podrick Whelan. Hello. After, after match day one, Dan, you said you had a rather interesting text from Joel at the weekend. <laughs> Would you be so kind <laughs> as to indulge I, us?
1: I did, and bear in mind this was 50% of the way through match day one. So I got a text from Joel about 2am on uh, on Sunday morning. I think he'd had a few drinks and he said, congratulations to City on winning the title again. So this is after Liverpool <laughs> have played one game and drawn City hadn't even played yet at this point and he's already throwing the towel in I mean I think we deserve better rivals of these people you know what I mean it's, Did he not uh,
2: hand you the title uh, last Christmas as well and then He did yeah he did, yeah, he did it at worried. Christmas and then
1: yeah. and then obviously that, uh, that tur- all turned around so I, I think he's trying a bit of reverse psychology but what he forgets is that I
0: don't play for City it's not going to work for me so <laughs> it's uh, I also saw that as well with a lot of people saying, Bayern Munich, congratulations on winning the Bundesliga. But we're not going to touch on that just yet. That'll be a little bit later on in the show. Um I must admit I, I listened back to our predictions, Dan, on the on the the season preview on Thursday. I kind of want to change mine now after one match yeah. day. Yeah, I my, thought, my
1: uh, Nottingham Forest predictions aging like milk, isn't it already? Yeah.
0: So <laughs> I I thought I'd be edgy and be like, nah, City aren't good enough. Liverpool are gonna win it and after one match day, I'm with Joel. I'm like, yeah, no, maybe I should have changed it. Anyway, we will kick things off with the Manchester City victory, 2-0 at West Ham. Um, I want to know, because Dan, you you seem sort of uh fairly level headed and, and don't get too depressed or too excited when it comes to Man City. I can't imagine you going mad. But give me a one to ten scale of excitement when it comes to Erling Haaland.
1: Oh, I think I'm on a nine already, actually. Oh, yeah. You can yeah. hear it in his voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean obviously. Having watched him in the Community Shield last week and him not having the greatest of games, you know, missing a couple of good chances, a really good chance at the end, I think there was a bit bit more sort of cautious optimism towards him. I was saying on the podcast last week that I think it might take him a bit of time to get up to speed and for everyone to kind of adapt to each other. And then in this game, it looked like they've they've worked it out over the past week in between the Community Shield and and they've adapted to each other very quickly. I mean, you see the the ball that De Bruyne played through for Haaland. run was
0: ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and oh th- it's going to happen, you know, I'm, I'm not saying Howland's going to score every game, but that kind of thing is going to happen a lot, isn't it? You know, there was a, before he, he got the, the first goal, there was a ball into the box that he nearly got his head onto. You know, you can, you can see a lot of that come in. The penalty that he won, you know, his, his, uh, his burst of pace over a couple of yards there was just like phenomenal, really. And, and the keeper was caught in no man's land and brought him down and then he then he slots away the penalty nice and calmly and the way he took the chance for the second goal as well it's just like when he went through on goal you knew he was going to score and you know we've had very good players in the past you know players who we've let go this summer like Gabriel Jesus Raheem Sterling like they'd get that chance and you think there's probably a 50-50 chance they score here maybe slightly higher but with Haaland it's like he's going to just score isn't he he's just a uh, it's just that sort of natural born killer in front of goal, really. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting.
0: I, I read a great stat that lost the only other, sorry, City player to score two goals in his debut was Sergio Aguero. Yeah. So talk about setting the president for an unbelievably good career. There was also, <laughs> you must have seen Alan Shearer's tweet saying only 258 to go <laughs> yeah. to uh, to reach his record. And There was a book yeah. he's offering it at about 25 to 1 today.
2: Well, actually, well they really, funny uh, enough about that, me and one of my friends actually about Oh, it must be about seven years ago now. Got something crazy. It was like eighty to one on Harry Kane to break really the record, and we just thought, well, English player, he's probably not going to leave if not Tottenham, the Premier League. Yeah, I can't remember the exact time that it was, but it was when he was kind of just slowly getting going at Tottenham, and I think the bookies had probably underpriced that one a little, so but as uh, as i remembered unfortunately quite recently i think i'm locked out of that betting account <laughs> <So> <laughs> i think that it's uh unfortunately a lost cause so might have to double down and go go all in on on erling what did you say on I, Holland. how much for Holland?
0: it was 25 to 25. 1 i saw okay
2: yeah they, they obviously don't want to get stung again then <laughs> I
1: that's, don't think he's going to be in England long enough to do it, though. Is he, Harlan? I think, like even yeah. even Pep even Pep's saying, "Oh, he's got a five year contract, and we hope he enjoys his time here," as if like he's going to be here for a bit, but he's not going to be here forever. Like I think everyone seems to have accepted that, which
0: is fine. That's the thing. I think the only thing better these days than becoming a legend at one club is becoming a legend at three. so like if he if he he could be considered a Dortmund legend uh, up for debate after a couple of years but if you do five years at City five years at Real Madrid and then maybe go back to Dortmund you know you're you're becoming legends in in all different countries maybe 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 maybe
1: he'll uh, he'll finish his career playing for his beloved Leeds as well you never know he might uh, do something like that Uh,
0: yeah Yeah, true. true But then, oh, you know,
1: five-year contracts, if he scores 50-plus goals a season, it's doable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was actually trying to figure this out. I was thinking he, obviously, completely reactionary, but based off what we've seen in the Champions League and at Dortmund, I'd be amazed. It it would be a poor season if Haaland got less than 20.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, injuries permitting, I guess you might yeah, yeah, say. Okay. Like, in- that that might be the only thing permitting. that holds him back. But, so yeah. you're
0: looking at 10 to 12 seasons in the Premier League, at least, with 20. So yeah. uh, it's probably even ridiculous that we're talking about this in the first place. <laughs> yeah, um, after two goals. so much so. Alan Shearer I, started it, though,
2: so you can blame him.
0: Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. That was his fault. Uh, what, what I found really interesting is um, there was a lot of tactical analysis on Manchester City I saw after the game, and it's just another and almost the final dimension to their play because not many teams would be stupid enough to go high press against Manchester City, um, but I think when you're suckered into it. In the past there's a bit more build up play. There wasn't really the through ball or the ball over the top for City to run onto. But now there is. Does does this sort of complete uh complete the tactical evolution of Manchester City to the point where there there shouldn't be a situation in a game that they can't sort of pull out another arrow for? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, you you look
1: at the game yesterday as well, and I actually watched the game with Joel, and he noticed like as soon as it started, he was like, "Have West Ham moved the touch lines in a bit?" And it looked like they they tried to narrow the pitch and really restrict City's width. And City must have anticipated that because they counteracted it by having Cancelo and Walker kind of stepping into central midfield mm. and taking up some really odd positions that really worked, and that it, it really it really sort of out narrowed West Ham in a way. Like it was like if you if you want to try and narrow the pitch, we're going to make it even narrower. <laughs> And then, yeah, eventually wore them down with pass, 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 pass. You know, it was like seventy nine percent possession or something, or something. I think they had at some point. West Ham get lulled into a false insecurity, like step out of defence a little bit. Yeah, that creates that little little bit of space. De Bruyne can pick that pass. You know, nine times out of ten, Harland runs onto it and scores. So, yeah, it seems like they have they have found a, a new dimension. Um, the bold man's done it again.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, that that's because when you're used to watching Manchester City, you always see the classic cutback goal. Mm. You know they work it and they play it through it as nice that they run the cutback. I think I think the City goal, who was it who passed it to De Bruyne? It was Rodri, wasn't it? Yeah, I it, it it was just two vertical passes. It was vertical to De Bruyne, sort of off to the side a bit, and then vertical to Haaland. It was very I don't know, it's just very sort of unmanned city-like.
1: Yeah, and I think the pass before Rodri was Grealish and he'd sort of like gone back towards his own goal and played a kind of reverse pass. Yeah. And G- Grealish was one, like he, I thought he had a really good game without really doing anything. Like he just mm. kept the ball, he just kept things nicely, ticking over, kept the ball moving, like never lost possession at any point. And uh, yeah, I think he's going to be in for a good season as well, actually.
0: Yeah, Grealish... Grealish is definitely one of those who, it, because he costs so much, you're expecting so much. But I actually think what he brings to Pep's team could have could have good good effects in games like this, especially um, especially when he's not going to be grabbing headlines. Yeah, I feel like it could be it could sort of go the other way. Uh, as for West Ham, I wasn't too particularly impressed, and I'm still looking these days. Maybe Podrick can help me or, or Dan as well. Can someone please explain the difference between Fornals and Lanzini? is it the same guy the same player do they do the same thing I just don't understand
2: yeah I I don't get yeah I guess like West Ham have always had that kind of like little maverick well it seems like Lanzini's been there almost like 10 maybe maybe it just feels like 10 years but remember like Zarate and all these little guys oh yeah yeah, always had that little uh, tricky little number 10 I suppose but um. I think Fornals is a player I actually liked quite a long time. I'm um, mm. probably a better player than Lanzini, but then Lanzini's always going to pop up with that. Uh, the, goal, like the goal he scored against was it Tottenham last oh, season or Palace? Palace with the. Oh, yeah, like, he got yeah, Tottenham a couple of years back in the well, yeah. yeah, he got a really good one. I think was when games were behind closed doors. He's probably the more flashy one but that's that's probably as as good as i can give you on the difference i'm afraid
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you think um as someone who watches a bit more syria i think than than the two of us do you think skamaka is going to take take to the premier league well i mean i know what did he get 20 minutes yesterday or something maybe a bit more
2: yeah and i think he had maybe like one decent header was was what all he meant um i don't know because italians I, i think We've talked about it before, but they they don't seem to adjust to the Premier League as well as um, as well as some. I, I think I saw even when uh, Harland had scored his first goal yesterday, there was like Rolando Bianchi comparisons going <laughs> around. I think oh, don't God, remember yeah. him it was karate, yeah. Balotelli, even yeah. even City. I suppose have had had a few West Ham themselves like D. Michele and Borriello and and. Uh, more than a few flops in attack. I think Skamaka is a good player, but I'm I'm surprised, um, A, that he left Serie I thought he'd probably just go to to one of the bigger teams there. He was getting linked with a few. And that B, West Ham actually paid as much as they did. Um, yeah, they're spending quite quite a lot West Ham recently, and you, you worry about how wisely that money is being spent because I think he's, he's a good player and he's... He's a lot more physical maybe than some Italians that have come over in the past and he'll maybe relish that side of the game a little bit more. But it's also hard to see what, what does he do with, with Antonio then? Or would you would Moyes really go um proper old school and just have two <laughs> two big old fashioned centre forwards up front, which might be quite fun, Antonio
0: and Scamacca. Um but, but- but th- this is this is the question I have about Moyes, though, because obviously he's tried this, we need a big target man, pay a lot of money in Sebastian Allaire, and it didn't work out. And having watched Allaire at Ajax since then, you start to think, well, Allaire was a good player, so maybe the system, for whatever reason, didn't work at West Ham. It kind of looks like Moyes has gone for the same thing. He seems to be obsessed with the idea of having some sort of focal point powerhouse up front. And then these Lanzini four now players around him. Um, yeah, it's probably are,
2: not a bad. How many Harris more? In that one, um, I think Skamaka. It's, it's hard to say if he's, a, if he's really going to be a better player or not than Allaire, because, like you said, Allaire was like branded a flop at West Ham, but he'd done well at mm. Frankfurt before. And then but obviously
0: Moy seems wedded and... to this idea, though.
2: Yeah,
1: just I'm... get Mar- Marouane Fellaini and be done with it, Moisey. <laughs> yeah. Come on, we know you want to <laughs>
0: <laughs> bring him home. Yeah, yeah, it seems a little bit odd to me. Anyway, it was obviously an unbelievably good start. And like like we said the other day, there's constantly going to be comparisons between Haaland and Nunes. We're not going to make that comparison. Yes, they both happened to score this weekend. But we will actually go to the other side of Manchester where, Dan, I'm sure your weekend um, got a lot better when Manchester City won <laughs> after, after seeing Manchester United lose. Uh, there's so much to unpack here. It's unbelievable. Um, Podrig... Did you think there was rightly an air of hope around Manchester United this summer after getting rid of some players, bringing some new ones in, and and Ten Hag coming in, or did did you see through the smoke screen?
2: No, I think there was definitely like um, reason reason to be hopeful. I
0: mean, they were the only team in the league,
2: which was quite surprising that actually had a new manager going into the new season. So obviously, it was going to create some kind of buzz some kind of new left and mm-hmm. then the first game they obviously destroyed Liverpool in pre-season and then people started to get really excited um, yeah but then the first game of the Premier League season came around and honestly you could have just been watching Man United from last season again you had <laughs> you just had Fred and McDominy frustrating everyone in the <laughs> middle of the park Rashford out on the left missing big chances I mean, Christian Eriksen up front was was a weird one, um, but it was just so much. Like Harry Maguire even he got a bit flat-footed um, for the goal. I mean, Martinez obviously was the only only one of the new signings who who started the game. But well, apart from Eriksen, as mentioned in the in mm. his uh, unfamiliar position. But yeah, it was it was uh, it's just a lot of. I think you could have substituted that performance for quite a lot of the. Performances last yeah. season, and there really wasn't that much of a difference. But I mean, Brighton are a good team, um, even if they've lost probably two of their best players in the summer and not really replaced them yet. Although Caicedo I thought, was had a really really good game.
0: Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Uh,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just it was just kind of it seemed like same old story um, for Man United.
0: I feel like uh, if you wanted to try this false nine with Eriksen or have someone a bit more mobile. and and linking the play to the forwards why not go with van der Beek
2: yeah I thought he actually had a few decent touches when he came on as well yeah Um, he wasn't on long but there was one in particular that the whole stadium kind of got up and applauded him for so he'd done well Uh, but I'm certainly not going to hand out tactical advice to to Eric Ten Hag you can fire away with that Matt if you like (laughs) uh, I'm not brave enough myself
0: Okay, we won't go for tactical advice. We'll go for personnel advice. That's, Dan. Fair. That's fair, yeah. The, the, the latest is that Adrian Rabio is, is potentially heading into Old Trafford. I think he's got one year left on his Juventus deal. Mm. Um, so, wouldn't cost too much. Do you think he's an upgrade, or is it anyone but McFred at the minute? <laughs>
1: I, I, yeah, I think so. I don't think he, Rabiot was the answer, though. Really, I think he was a decent player a couple of years ago. Has lost his way a little bit. You know, maybe he can reignite his career at United somehow. I wouldn't be hanging my hat on it. It seems like a, a very old transfer to me. You know, they've they seem to have wasted about three months trying to pursue Frankie De Jong. I don't know if they've got the message now that it's just not going to happen. Um, maybe he'll end up going to Chelsea, or maybe he'll stay put at Barcelona. It's a bit very confusing situation with him there, but. I don't see a lot with Rabio and that is just, that is a, a sign that they've overlooked for a couple of years now that, that real midfield enforcer that they need and, and like you say Fred and McTominay it's just it, it it looked like the same team, like Podrick said, as last yeah. season, really the same. It was the same sort of performance you were getting under, under Oligona Solskjaer and under, under rangnate next season. And, you know, you called it on the podcast we did the other day, Matt. You said, if, if, if they lose the opening game of the season to Brighton, all hell's going to break loose. And that's what's happening now. There's a lot of panic buttons being pressed all over the place. It seems, doesn't it? But you would like to think that maybe if the results start not improve straight away, the performances might. And this, this was very reminiscent of last season and, and the way that. As soon as Brighton went 2-0 up, um, Ten Hag sent Ronaldo to warm up, made me think like, What, you you're abandoning your principles already? You're gonna yeah. go with Cristiano Ronaldo up front, just throw him on and hope for the best and start lumping balls forward. And, you know, they had to go in the second half United, didn't they? I think they probably should have given a penalty away in the second half. They were very unfortunate to get away yeah. with that. Um the goal they did score was a bit unfor- was a bit fortunate. They might have they might have scored another one, but it was it was not good. Not good at all.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like he was doomed either way, though, with that Cristiano Ronaldo substitution. Because it looks like he's yeah. about his principles. But then if also you're the guy who loses 2-0 at home to Brighton and you leave one of the greatest goal scorers of all time yeah. on the bench, you also look like a bit of a pratt. Yeah, yeah. So a rock and a hard place for him there. My, my one thought about Rabio is, and hold on to your hats because this is going <laughs> to sound wild after he started at false nine, but towards the end, actually, when I saw Christian Eriksen as the, number six, picking up the ball, moving along nicely, I don't see why a midfield two of Rabiot and Eriksen couldn't work.
1: Yeah, maybe thing? not. Maybe maybe that's the way to go. Actually, yeah, yeah. Like cause... like
0: R- Rabiot doing the sort of you know high octane energy, a lot of pressing. He's got good stamina, um, very box to box, the more aggressive style of play, and then allow Eriksen to keep the ball. The reason being is because they've obviously been so. Um, I would say aggressive in their hunt for Frankie De Jong, maybe it's not the right word, but it's clear that they wanted him. Um, and I think having someone like that who can play the ball out of the back rather than Maguire running it out of the back, which he yeah. seems to love to do. Um, if they can't get De Jong, which it seems like they can't, then why not Christian Eriksen to be that link between the defence and the midfield? I don't know. Yeah, I think you about shout. But they, they need someone
1: yeah. who can... Yeah, who could take the ball off the goalkeeper or take the ball off the back four and distribute it properly, don't they?
0: It's exactly what I saw was that when De Gea had the ball sometimes, he was like, right, do I pass it into Fred? Bad (sighs) idea. Do I pass it to Maguire, who will run with it? Probably not ideal. I could ping it out to the left back, but it was quite easy for Brighton to press. There didn't really seem to be this link or confidence even that De Gea thought, I can give it to anyone here. Like It wasn't Mm. really there, so... Again, I'm I'm going to stick with Podrick's line of Mr. Ten Hag. If you're listening, we're not dishing out tactical advice, <laughs> but some personnel, some personnel changes. But they they need, they need a centre forward as
1: well, don't they? Like whether Ronaldo stays yeah. or not, I think they need they need someone there. I don't think Anthony Martial's the answer.
0: Do they need Arnautovic, Dan?
1: I mean, that's a that is a weird one as well, isn't it? <laughs> that is a very much you know this this Rabiot signing on Arnautovic if he comes, it very much seems like. Almost like a panic buy, but like a buy where it's like, okay, well, we'll get this guy in and then maybe next summer we'll properly address the situation, which obviously there's logic in that. If, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do. If, you, if they can't make the signings, they need this summer yeah. for whatever reason, then they need to get, get bodies in the building and stuff. But it just seems very sort of poor from a planning it, perspective to me, really, that you've it's suddenly It's up going, there
0: with, with the signing of Oddy on Igalo. Yeah, it's, it's not too
1: far. Off. I think on Alta, which is better than Igalo, but uh, yeah. not, not a great deal better, really. And
0: yeah. Yeah. I think
1: I think they need a right-back as well, actually, because they're, they're talking about getting rid of wan Bisaka and lot started this game. I don't rate him very highly, to be perfectly honest with you. So.
0: Yeah, I, I was chatting to a friend about it and he said that Dalot has all of the capabilities to be a good right-back. He just never shows them all at once. It's like he only brings yeah. a few of them to the pitch per <laughs> match day and can't seem to fit the puzzle together, yeah. Um, which, yeah, it seems really bizarre. I mean, this always happens. We were talking about it earlier, that a team often makes it into the headlines because they've beaten Manchester United, and we you know we're talking about United losing, but a lot of credit has to go to Brighton as well. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Maguire. I thought Maguire's flat-footedness made Danny Welbeck look like prime <laughs> Danny Welbeck, and I'm not even sure <laughs> Danny Welbeck fair, had a prime. Danny
2: Welbeck, I thought, was outstanding. Yeah, yeah he so was. He was brilliant. See that one that he eventually got. He got pulled up for offside, but the one where he yeah, all come over his shoulder and he just what a touch, touch yeah. Was, yeah.
1: I don't think he was offside either. though. Well, I thought that was yeah, really harsh. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. C- can you can you explain? I don't get this. Why are we not seeing what we saw last season, where the Lino should have let that play? see mm. if Welbeck scored and then go back.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the very same
0: thing during the game. Rashford
2: yeah. Then didn't they? Where the the flag went up for that one? Then later, and then it turned out that oh, if he hadn't put the flag up, that Rashford's would have counted. Yeah, they, I was seeing something
0: the-, the same thing about. Um, Godfrey's awfully. Yeah, that was Editing. that was
2: the big one I think at the weekend there yeah, because if they had just they knew that the ball had gone out of play, so if they'd just called it as being out of play, then Ben Godfrey's not probably not waiting now what months I think Lampard said he's, mm. he's gonna be out for. Yeah, yeah of of that was mm. I mean that was one I think managers were crying out uh all last season, weren't they, saying if you're gonna keep letting play continue, eventually someone's gonna get hurt and yeah. Sure
1: enough. So that that one decision for the linesman to keep his flag down there means that Cody Cody's now gotta play for Everton. Yeah, it's, how bizarre <laughs> is that. <laughs> that's a but, a butterfly flap yeah, its yeah, wings. Exactly, yeah, yeah, Jesus.
0: Exactly <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Well, that was uh You're my god Freeman, if you will. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> now we've started.
0: Oh boy, we're, we're kicking things off Long right. Season. Um we'll we'll step away from the Premier League though for a minute as uh Padre, you took particular interest in Bayern Munich's thrashing of of Frankfurt, a 6-1 victory. Um, I was thinking this is probably the most comfortable opening day victory, but then I realised that Bayern beat Schalke 8-0 a few years ago. (laughs) And it is, yeah. Uh, On the opening day, so this probably pales in comparison. Um, Who were you most particularly impressed with in that match?
2: Well, I just thought it was quite a notable one that, um, you know, you had people kinda of thinking oh Lewandowski's gone from Bayern. I mean they've yeah. brought Manny in but didn't seem so sure about them. Leverkusen and Dortmund were maybe getting tipped a little more to if not win the league, run them a lot closer. And then they've got a really difficult game. Frankfurt's first game at home after they've won the Europa League before they go and play in the Super Cup in midweek. Frankfurt had I mean pretty much it was their ideal start in eleven. Um out <laughs> on the park and then Bayern turn up and do that. It's, I mean, I know it's Bayern destroying someone's is not that much of a shock, but I think when you factor all of that in, and it was a real, that is a real like laying down a, a marker um, result. I think it was just. I don't think anybody expect. In fact, I think you could have had a lot of people going into that game thinking, "Yeah, this will a, a win for Frankfurt, and this will maybe signal that the Bundesliga is going to." Be open this season after all, and they don't have, like I said, they're I mean, Lewandowski and your team just guaranteed Bayern what 30 plus goals every season. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, who impressed? I mean, like Manny, uh, obviously got the, the goal in his debut. Uh, Thomas Muller played really well again, apart from missing an absolute setter. That was the thing. I mean, Bayern they could have probably should have uh won it by more, and then the, even the goal that they conceded in the second half. It's probably the exact kind of goal you concede when you're five 0 up.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, lawyers yeah. just
2: yeah joking around with the ball on the edge. Of his the, own he got a
1: warning about like, that a few minutes earlier. Yeah. They, they scored one Frankfurt that was offside. Yeah. At sort of, Neuer cocked up for that as well. Yeah. It was a mad game, yeah. Because even at like two nil to Bayern, like Frankfurt had a one on one that they missed. Yeah, they had um, a bar as
2: well. No? There was a few yeah. a
1: few chances for him. Mane could have probably had a hat trick. You know the chances he had and. It was just a really, really open, really weird game. I mean, even the very first goal. I don't know if the goalkeeper was deceived a bit by the pyro smoke there with that uh, that kymich. I could not think that. Yeah, yeah. That
2: I don't. I uh, genuinely wondered if the if the pyro had actually played a part in that one, as well, where he <laughs> just does not know
0: that the ball is going to zip under there. Uh. Um, Dan, is there a player? Because certainly, is for me, uh, isn't for me. Even is there a player who you've been more gutted about that decided not to play for England than Jamal Musiala. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anyone. I think he's literally top of my list. Who did you say, Podrick? Scott McTominay. No. Scott McTominay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a close second. Thoughts yeah,
1: Musiala looks looks really good, doesn't he? I mean England are pretty well stocked in that department, you might say, but he, he's certainly one who's, who's sort of as he he's getting I mean he's still only nineteen isn't he? And he's just getting oh. better all the time. Every season he look he looks more and more competent and he's looking really really sharp at the moment. But uh yeah, Germany. Uh, England's loss is definitely Germany's gain.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I was racking my brains. I was trying to think of one. Uh, maybe. Let us know. If you, there's anyone, actually, if there's anyone who you, who a little bit gutted didn't play for your country that could have done, Um, yeah, you can tweet us. We've got f- at Dan, at Matt underscore Froelich. Uh, what's yours, Podrig? Oh, I can't remember. Like P-Wheeling no, 88, eight, I think. Do you know who <laughs> might have been a good shout for that if Martin O'Neill
2: didn't have his head up his backside? Was, I'm pretty sure Martin O'Neill had Declan Rice... On the bench in a competitive game for Ireland when he was quite, young Did he? and didn't bring him on. But if Mark O'Neill had just brought him on for Ireland that night, oh. then the course of history could have been <laughs> much. That, but I mean, that would have been obviously uh, he's he's a, an England regular now, so that that yeah, yeah. is one that uh, if if he just he just locked him down there and then. But you, know, you live and you learn.
0: Uh. Well, as as well as the Twitter, I'll I'll throw in a quick shout out for all of your your questions as well. The email address, if you want to email us, is podcast um, at onefootball.com. Moving on, though, very quickly uh, to Liga, because we have to talk about Messi's bicycle kick (laughs) um, as he scored two goals. I actually thought when I was watching the the, the highlights of this game, I know that everyone says, oh, Messi plays in Liga and he's rubbish or the league's rubbish or PSG are rubbish or this, that, and the other. It genuinely looked like to me, Podrig. That he was just enjoying playing football, him and Neymar, maybe because it was a slightly easy game. But even so, I just—I don't know. Like he was enjoying. It. You don't pull off moments like that if you're absolutely rack full of nerves and not really happy with what you're doing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like in maybe enjoying
2: it more, but I did think on that kind of topic that like last season he did seem a little bit out of sorts and miserable and not really enjoying it all that much. So maybe it has just taken him a year, and then a summer a pre-season where it's not everything's quite uncertain because obviously he moved quite late in the window when when he eventually did go to PSG last year so it could just be the case and obviously like you said him and Neymar you know how close they are um, mm. and they've got Mbappe sticking around as well for for a season when maybe a lot of people didn't think he would so yeah it's a dangerous prospect if Messi is is going to get back to his best but i mean i think by his own standards and I think a lot of people were maybe a, a little disappointed how, how his first season in France went. But if you're going to do that on the opening day, then, then uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, uh worried.
1: That's massive, the Mbappe thing, I think, isn't it? There was a bit of a, a sort of bad smell around PSG last season, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of um stuff hanging over them. I don't know if, if they really got on with Pochettino that well. I don't know if he yeah. really... Sort of settled into life in in France very well, and and the Champions League exit, you know, the ultras were were going mental about that and stuff, weren't they? And you always thought, well, oh, maybe Neymar might leave, maybe Mbappe might leave, and now they've got a new coach who knows Ligue One really well. Um, everyone seems settled in that forward line. I think the aim is like, you know, we'll we'll. Probably win Liga and quite comfortably again. You know, let's really go for it in the Champions League this year. Let's really sort it out. You know they've hired a sports psychologist and all that kind of thing, haven't they? So it definitely seems like a more settled group of players now. And yeah, like you said, they're having a bit of fun. And that messy one, it was almost like was it a bicycle kick or a tricycle kick? It was like <laughs> there was there was something a bit weird about it. The keeper almost like gave up on it, didn't yeah. he? And uh, Although I- it was it was well executed, but it wasn't quite like Ronaldinho against Villarreal yeah. style. It was a bit like softer. I did
2: enjoy I those. We- some people just who refuse you know the, the ronaldo messi debate and they just will not yeah. give the other one credit and say well it's not yeah. a real bicycle kick or overhead kick is it because one of his feet are still on the ground I'm
0: like what? <laughs> Why did, when was that part of the the, the rules to, to be fair i think ronaldo's like if we're putting you know if we're picking sides ronaldo's is far better surely he's jumped about 2 metres oh, no, in the air i don't the think they meant the i fall. don't
2: think there was even comp- like comparing the uv one or anything like that i think oh, it's yeah. just people were just desperate to, to not give Messi his due on this one. Yeah.
0: What's still an amazing finish? I think, I think it's because he, he shinned it like Rooney did. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Trevor Sinclair's for QPR back in the day is still the best bicycle
0: oh kick. Oh my God. Yeah, because that was outside the box as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what makes it mad. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that Messi bicycle kick, I'm thinking uh, a little bit more Ronaldinho esque than, mm. than Ronaldo esque. It also reminded me of the time that I actually scored a bicycle kick on the school football playground did you and uh yeah i thought it was amazing and i remember saying to my mates well did you see a bicycle kick and they were like matt you practically fell into it (laughs) and it turns out i'd only put one leg up and sort of side volleyed it and in my head it was glorious but but this
1: was this was on a concrete playground presumably so uh
0: Uh, it wasn't concrete actually it was on the field and i i I ruined my shirt for it you know that deserves (laughs) way more credit way more credit than Messi's one uh we will move on to a bit of transfer news, actually, some transfer topics. Of course, this is what are we, Monday afternoon, talking about the Rabiot deal, this, that, and the other. It looks like Werner is on his way out, mm-hmm. out of Chelsea, back to RB Leipzig. Um, why is it that some players just don't seem to get it at Chelsea? <laughs> I mean, we'll go, we'll go earlier, we'll go Salah, when they go De Bruyne we'll then go Lukaku twice and now we'll go to Timo Werner
1: even like Shevchenko, he didn't, yeah. uh, Shevchenko
0: the list goes on wasn't uh,
2: Mataa Kesman a bit pony after joining? Yeah. <laughs> although Eredivisie goals and all that you, you can't track yeah. him so
0: much I just don't understand where it's coming from, why has it worked? are we going to see Havertz back at Leverkusen in January? <laughs> um, yeah, what, what, what's your take on it, project on, on Timo Werner?
2: yeah, I don't know why, why all the rest of them is, although uh, maybe that is just like a curse on Chelsea. Was Tuchel not talking about that last week? I think about the Chelsea, the yeah, Chelsea players might be scared to yeah uh, taking the the number nine, which obviously it's it, not
1: like some iconic shirt or... though, is yeah, it really? <laughs> yeah, like
2: yeah. the Man United number seven. Or yeah, yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, uh, it's a weird, yeah, a weird one on on the number nine. Um, but Werner, I don't know because. You would have said, and I think a lot of people did say, it when he signed that he had like all the attributes in his game that you would have thought would have made him a successful Premier League player. Um, you know, his pace he's really quick in behind, his movements good, uh, and a good finisher, like anywhere around kind of the penalty area. I mean, not so much his link-up play and stuff like that, but just a real good poacher, and, and uh, that was what he did so well at Leipzig. Still does well. Uh, when he plays for the national team as well, so uh, it's just strange that a f- few different managers and they couldn't couldn't get the best out of him. But I do wonder if if uh, he had went to Liverpool. Remember, like, it was it was that yeah. close that time. Yeah. That you are you really like the way Klopp is uh, with players and the way that they play and how how he moves and all that kind of stuff. You wonder if Timo Werner's like Premier League career might have been just so much different, and you'd be talking about him. Um like you talk about the guys who have went to Liverpool and been a success. Yeah. Uh, because I, I like with Klopp um, and the way that they play, it would be such an interesting experiment just if he signed some random like, mid-table Premier League player. And he probably could make that work and probably could get <laughs> like some, I don't know, Ivan Tony or whoever, although he scores a lot of goals anyway. But someone even from that end of the table, Jamie Vardy could probably score... 30 goals under Klopp but so yeah maybe maybe if if that move had happened instead I think it probably it probably would have worked out quite well but just a shame obviously for Chelsea that that didn't.
0: To be fair he did pick up Andy Robertson and White Alden from relegated sides yeah yeah that's uh, Jürgen Klopp uh, yeah, there's, there's yeah. probably proof behind that. Uh, we can't talk about transfers in the summer window without talking about whatever is going on at Barcelona. It's not like with transfers <laughs> at this point it's Financial irregularities, I think, is the word. <laughs> I Father don't uh, understand <laughs> what's going on. Uh, the latest is that apparently Frankie De Jong's contract wasn't even a legal contract. Is 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 what I'm. That's understanding, what they're, yeah. that's what
1: they're alleging. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. alleging that. Uh, well, it was Bartomeu who was in charge at the time, and they they did a renewal on several players: De Jong, uh, Longley. Uh, I can't remember who it's else was in Stegan there.
2: and. Yeah, PK, PK maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. as well, PK, yeah. 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 They
1: they, they, did, they did this sort of raft of renewals, which uh, the current uh, ownership or the current uh, board are now saying that uh, there might have been some illegal activity going on there. Who knows whether that's true or not, but the fact of the matter is that Frankie de Jong is owed uh, a certain amount of money, isn't he? Quite a lot of money uh, that he believes, well, not he believes, that he is owed um, in terms of unpaid salary, and that's why he's not been sold yet. That's why they're, try- they're trying to sort that out and, maybe one of the reasons because so the only reason that he's apparently reluctant to join United and perhaps sees himself more at Chelsea is what the rumour is I, I don't really see why Chelsea would need him you know on the sort of sort of money yeah. you'd have to pay for him when you've already got Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic it doesn't seem like a sensible signing for Chelsea but their their approach to transfers has been a little bit strange this summer as well hasn't yeah. it so yeah, I mean, Barcelona for like a couple of years now, it's just been batshit crazy, everything about it, hasn't it? And, you know, even Laporta taking over, hasn't really got them back on the straight and narrow. They don't know whether they're going to be able to register players for this season. They're still signing players. They're still being linked with players. They're still talking about wanting to buy Bernardo Silva. And I'm like, how the hell are you going to manage that? But that's just one that won't go away. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an insane well, wasn't situation. was a
0: similar thing with Neymar about him being owed... He was owed money from Barcelona. I think it was, it was like a loyalty bonus, yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's right, yeah. Just something absolutely I, I, I look, like, you always hear rival fans say, oh, wouldn't it be funny if you know Barcelona went under or Real Madrid didn't exist, or you know, <laughs> you, you always get this sort of banter. I'm genuinely thinking now this might actually happen. It would be catastrophic for the footballing world if someone as big as Barcelona just completely ran <laughs> themselves into the ground. There's like Ninety thousand people who are going to have to pack into Espanyol Stadium every week. <laughs> they'll just take <laughs> I over they'll they'll the camp doing that.
2: Sorry, the Spotify camp, no Espanyol, yeah. just move in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, what would actually happen to millions of football fans who just don't have a team to support anymore? <laughs> yeah. I can't see it happening. That the chances are, if it gets so ridiculous, that it will go from being a fan-owned club to some sort of plaything for a billionaire. <laughs> Because even so, if you have got that much money and you want to take over a football team like we're seeing a lot of American investors doing as well, because of the name and the fans around the world, Barcelona is a prime project for it. You'll just have to take on a lot of nonsense. And well, they have all, but first. they have all
1: the socios and all that kind of stuff. That, so they're already pretty much like you know, partly fan owned, aren't they? And, yeah, uh, yeah. Mesk on club and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> it's. Uh, L- L- Laporta said when he took when he took over it like 2021, wasn't it? When he took over and he said yeah. that they were they were clinically dead. I think recently he said that they're still in the ICU. So it's just like, what is going on? How has this been allowed to happen? It's just such a, I'm, it's, it's almost like impossible to keep up with it all, really. It's just like a different sort of, it's, it's almost like trying to follow politics, you know? It's more, yeah, more than football. I, yeah,
0: you I need to be like a legal
2: expert to know. Yeah. It's gonna, and they're still I mean, getting linked with players. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why do you need Marcus I, Alonso? I don't, huh.
0: <laughs> That's the thing. I'm reading the football news and thinking to myself, is this, is this financial news? Is this football news? I don't understand it. I'm a keen follower of football, and I don't understand the football news. That's the sort of realm that we've entered with Barcelona.
1: And it's like that, you know, talking about Bernardo Silva as well. Like the story is that he really wants to go there if the opportunity presents itself. And if I was him, I'd be thinking, "No, yeah. like I know it's Barcelona. I know they're a brilliant, historic club, and all this kind of thing. But let's just stay clear of them until they get this shit sorted because it's so, it's such a mess. It seems like. But I think they'll they'll find a way out of it somehow. I just can't imagine them not doing that. But yeah,
0: I mean, yeah,
1: they asked UEFA for the Champions League money up front or something like that to That's kind of balance the books. Sign. And then yeah. Leeds,
2: I think rightly asked them for the Rafinha money up front because yeah. they don't trust them not to get it. Yeah. Oh, my
1: God. And there was some story today, They, um, I can't remember the exact specifics now, but they sort of tried to offset some money by paying some of money into their own accounts. I can't remember um, uh, what it was. but it's, the it's something, of the same, Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Something extremely dodgy going on it sounds like yeah but Spanish radio claim Barca jointly set up a holdings company to which it paid 150 million euros of its own money to buy its own assets to inflate the value of a sale the Liga rejects it because it's not new money crazy
0: oh my god well there you go you're getting a healthy dose of uh, financial updates as well yeah with footballing podcast clearly, with clearly we don't us. understand it either but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what? Next time, we're not going to speak to uh, to someone from the one football newsroom. We're going to get a financial expert on. We'll go, <laughs> we'll go to our finance team at One Football yeah. and um, get them to clear up absolutely everything. Well, there is one last transfer I've got written down here, and it's PSG's deal for Fabian Ruiz, um, the Napoli midfielder, could potentially be moving to Paris. There were rumours that they thought um, that Real Madrid were going to swoop in for a free next summer. So they, they, they wanted to bring him in now. Of course, they've just let Gino Wijnaldum go to Roma. So it looks like things are are a bit of a domino effect there. Um, Fabio Ruiz, good player, Podrig, fitting the PSG system. Yeah, he's really good. Um, I was actually surprised that he stayed at Napoli
2: as long as he did. There was a little like Jorginho when, when they kind of held on to him when it looked like he was destined to to move on and obviously he did eventually but it's the same with Fabiano I was surprised that he got as long as he did because he just like uh, one of that many kind of Spanish school of the last five ten years of just a midfielder who's so so intelligent on the ball just moves it really well and yeah. I'm just kind of not to lose possession I think it's a really smart signing for PSG especially at the, the kind of money that's been talked about maybe 20-25 million and it's good business for Napoli and um, when he only has a year left, but I mean that's that's a squad that almost won well not almost I mean they were in the city a shake up for a lot of last season and they've just been completely decimated now. Like uh, mm. Fabian's gone, Merton's gone and senior gone and you look at the team that's kinda of lined up and pre-season for them Koulibaly yeah, Koulibaly yeah after, mm. for even forgotten about him that's how many uh, yeah. how many <laughs> big players but because he always just got linked away every year and you just yeah, yeah. You, what, he actually went this time so yeah <laughs> um, he
1: was very good for Chelsea the other day by the way yeah really I thought so. him, brilliant yeah. yeah
2: he did play with, um, yeah so it's, I'd be worried about the direction they'll they'll go now anyway Napoli but yeah good signing for PSG honestly. And wasn't, yeah. wasn't,
1: he, wasn't he saying that he won't sign African players anymore oh, uh, unless they agree yeah. to not, not go to the African Cup co- of Nations? Wants,
2: yeah, he wants to sign, uh, sign a contract yeah. and say that they won't go to Africa.
0: Imagine asking a player not to go to the Euros or Copper America. Wouldn't well, happen, be ridiculous. would it? <laughs> it, it he would did never complain happen. a little
2: bit about... Uh, the South American qualifiers as well. They they also right. got dogged in it a little bit where he's he's not yeah. pleased about that. So, no, just sign all Italian oh, players. Just... They don't go to international to <laughs> <laughs> anymore. Sorry. sorry.
0: <laughs> there go the Italian viewers. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, like I mentioned, this is uh, Wynaldum leaving and Paredes as well, actually. It looks like heading mm. to Syria with you. And Adrissa Gay is off, isn't he, as well? And Adrissa Gay, thing. too. Oh my god, it's a tall change at PSG. I actually think it's a very good signing, Fabian. I'm not sure why it didn't work out with Wijnaldum. Um, yeah, really fit. I like the look of
1: that Vitinha they've signed as well. Actually, yeah. from mm. Porto. Yeah. yeah,
0: very, very, very good.
1: Wolves, wasn't it briefly?
0: Yeah, I um really. You quickly just reminded me there um, when we were talking about Koulibaly playing well for Chelsea against Everton. I've got to, to touch on it. And I know Podrig would definitely not want to sing his praises being a former Rangers man, but I thought Patterson was really good. Oh, he did, mate. He's yeah.
2: Scotland International. I'm more than happy <laughs> to sing his
0: praises. Oh, okay, okay. I just thought, you know, with his with his affection for the, for the blue side of Glasgow, he wouldn't be too interested. in. in <laughs> he, got, he got
2: out of there quick enough, just like Bill <laughs> Oh
1: <Wilmore,
0: hey? laughs> No, I was really impressed. And I, I didn't expect him to play too much, but um, now I thought he was really good. Yep, I agreed. Yeah, Full credit to him. Uh, Right, finally, actually talking of rivals, we're going to end with a small game, a small quiz. And this is where you have to be nice to your rivals or you don't have to be so nice. We are going to pick one signing that you would make from your team's rivals. So for those of you that don't know, we've got Manchester City with Dan. Um, Podrick is a big Celtic fan and uh, me being a Spurs fan. It doesn't have to be for a footballing reason though. (laughs) So, yeah, who is your one signing that you would make from your team's rival and why? We'll start with you, Dan. Well, who is my team's rival here, would you say? United. Oh, okay, okay. So you can going United. I will
1: not sign anyone from United at the moment, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, and I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. Yeah, to them, no, is it's really? not. Yeah, maybe, maybe someone like a Langer or, you know, one of the young lads who's not been sort of like corrupted too much yet. But now, so yeah, I mean, I was, pick I was...
2: one of them, though, just if you had... If, I, player, if I had to pick one,
1: one um... Let's say let's say Langer, Langer then yeah. yeah I quite like the look of him yeah yeah, yeah I don't he's a think he's like player. the finished article yet but he look, he looks pretty purple decent purple yeah. he was yeah. exactly yeah yeah I mean I was sort of thinking in terms of the the one player that City need at the moment is a left back I wouldn't have you know maybe Malacia if <laughs> yeah. if uh, he hadn't just gone to United maybe he'd be an interesting one but I wouldn't have Luke Shaw at this point I think no. he's a uh, on the uh, on the way out now, isn't he? Um, so if we're saying in this case that City's rivals are Liverpool, then obviously Andy Robertson would be an uh, incredible player yeah. to have in our team, I think. I was watching him enviously against Fulham the other day. I love the way he... Oh, he's just a great player, isn't he? Robertson is great uh, desire as well. I love the way he almost becomes like a sort of wide forward at times, the way he pops up in the back post and yeah. gets assists and goals at the back post that way so but I mean even Samaikas I was really impressed with him last season for Liverpool so mm. he'd be another another great one but I can't see it happening somehow
0: and
2: Hodrig. I'm not comfortable playing this game I don't <laughs> <laughs> sign someone from Hearts instead I don't like them that <laughs> one. I'll say uh, um, I don't know it would be very funny to like, sign Morelos or someone and then sell him immediately Onto someone else, <laughs> profit, but uh, I cannot in good faith say that I would take any of them for footballing reasons, nor would I want to take any of them for any other <laughs> reasons. But if, I, if I had to, I, I did like the look of um, uh, Bassi that went to Ajax like the last three months of last season, he'd actually, yeah, he'd actually, the defender, yeah. uh, he'd actually, uh he actually looked like he was a good player, and then went to Ajax, and I think conceded two and got sent off on his debut. So, uh, not not the best start there. And if I have to praise someone, that um, Aribo that went to Southampton actually—it was just about to looked, mention him. Yeah, really good. Looks like a looked like a decent enough player. So I'll give some slight praise to two guys that have gone, but thankfully they won't be joining <laughs> my team.
1: <laughs> yeah, the- I suppose, yeah, if, if we're doing like non football reasons, you could say I'll sign Cristiano Ronaldo and like have him flipping burgers at the stadium yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's sort of the reverse of what when I was a kid, like I used to uh, often like take over as United on like a manager game, football manager or whatever, and just like sell all the good players and just run them into the ground, <laughs> spend loads yeah. of money on shit players and stuff. It's like the reverse of that, I guess, isn't it?
0: There's this great Twitter account that's like football conspiracy theories, and someone yeah. said that about Rafa Benitez. He was like a Liverpool agent. Yeah. He just went to Everton basically like a foot manager, just to absolutely ruin them, leave them in turmoil. <laughs> I'm glad you yeah. didn't waste your weekends as a kid, Dan. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> I would have to say for me, there's probably two reasons. One of them, because I think Bukayo Saka is brilliant and a good young English player, I'd probably sign mm. sign for Spurs. The other, I, w- I was thinking the other day, um, it would have to be William Saliba. Yeah, One he was really good there, wasn't he? And
2: then off to yeah. Tottenham.
0: Yeah, I just he he you know Spurs. I think need another defender. I'm not convinced by the signing of Longley or Ben Davis long term. Um, so yeah, I thought maybe I think Gabriel was quite good, but I think Saliba definitely looks the pick of the three. I couldn't imagine any any of them leaving. There was all this talk about Dijan Kuluzewski being an Arsenal fan and one day he'll leave Spurs for Arsenal, but I can't quite see it happening.
1: Yeah, I'm. am I they're not a rival per se, but I'm. I'm still hoping there's some sort of interest from City and Kieran Tierney might materialise out of thin air at some you're in point. need Daniel. Yeah, he'd be a, <laughs> a top signing for us, but just never even been on. Now you're just at picking all. other Premier League players. You basically, want to yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you
0: should have bought this up in the Zinchenko deal. <laughs> You've wasted it now. It's You've too, late, taken no, too long. Yeah, truly right well that is all then for this week from the Premier League podcast well more than the Premier League podcast uh, we've thrown in some uh, some Liga and thrown in some Bundesliga too thanks as always to my guest Dan Burke and Podrick Whelan this week of course if you want to get in touch and let us know the one signing that you'd make from your team's rival uh, you can tweet us uh, at onefootball you can also email us the email is podcast at onefootball.com uh, we will be back on Wednesday I believe Podrick is that you? Not this week I think the following week
1: The following, following week. Week. We'll, be, we'll be back on Thursday And Thursday. You'll, hear, you'll get a bit more information About the Serial podcast then
0: Oh I, I, Oh I've ruined it Oh he's, he's I've jumped no, the gun he's It's alright That's alright
1: Little teaser Just drop him in Yeah 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 yeah
0: Just drop in a little teaser all Right myself and Dan Will be back on Thursday then uh, So see you then